I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hello and blessed Christmas to you. I hope you've had a good Christmas day. The Sree family had a great adventure. For the first time, our whole family went to Midnight Mass together this year. Yep, me and my eight kids, it was pretty awesome. Uh, from 17 years old down to my year-and-a-half-year-old Eleanor, uh, and they all did pretty well. Only one child fell asleep, little Kiara, my three-and-a-half-year-old. She was sprawled out there on a pew. It was like a little manger for her. She slept for most of Mass, but the rest of them hung in there, and they were so excited for Christmas. And so I have a special treat for all of you, a little Christmas gift. This is a special edition of All Things Catholic. Uh, I'm going to share with you a reflection on Mary at the Nativity. What was Mary going through in this great Christmas story? What was she thinking about? What was going on on the inside? The Bible doesn't give us a lot of information, but there's one little line I want us to consider that comes in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 19. And I'm going to share with you a reflection that I recorded a few weeks ago when I was in Israel leading my Holy Land pilgrimage. And this was recorded right there outside of Bethlehem in the shepherd's fields. So here we go, a reflection on Mary at the Nativity. Well, as we're standing here in the shepherd's fields outside of Bethlehem in the Holy Land, I want to reflect on Mary at the Nativity. Now, have you all gotten Christmas cards where there's a religious art picture of Mary at the Nativity? What does Mary look like? What do her clothes look like? So they just look like nicely, beautifully draped. They just came out of the dry cleaners. Nice, pure white right there. Maybe with some red and blue in it, right? And what do her hands look like? Her hands maybe are uh, outreached, you know, reaching out, hovering over the manger. Maybe her hands are nicely folded, looking very pious over the manger. And these, I love these images. I have some of these images in my home. They're beautiful. And they reflect Mary's purity. That's the intention here, to show her great purity, her, her great devotion, her ardent love for her newborn child. And all that is beautiful. But that's not that, that those pictures don't capture the full story of all that's going on. They capture an important slice, but not the full story. I want to bring you in to what was Mary going through in the story of the nativity. Let's just, just, just think about it for a moment because it would have been pretty dramatic, maybe even traumatic, uh, all that was going on. Here's Mary in the middle of her last trimester up in Nazareth, and all of a sudden Roman soldiers come in and they announce this big census. She's got to pick up and move and go with Joseph all the way down to Bethlehem, a four-day journey, and she didn't go on a nice air-conditioned bus. She's going, you know, probably on some kind of mule, donkey, and, and it would have been really rough. Now, can I just ask a show of hands here? Can I ask the ladies here? Uh, how many of you would love to just go on a move in the middle of your last trimester <laughs> to pick up and move. Is that on your bucket list of things to accomplish in life? I want to go through a move in my last trimester. And I got to tell you, I did that to Beth, my wife. I did that to her. We, 11 years ago, we were living in Kansas and we picked up to move to Denver, Colorado, where I was starting to work at the Augustan Institute. And I, and I did it in the summer. Oh, I know. It was really rough. And I, I would try to put my arm around her and encourage her. And I'd say, honey, I'm just trying to be like Joseph. <laughs> yeah, that, that did not go over well. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it was hard, right? And so picture Mary here having to move all the way down to, to Bethlehem. And then she, when she gets here in Bethlehem, what was the welcome like? Did the Bethlehem Chamber of Commerce come out and say, Oh, the Queen Mother has arrived. Everyone, come on, welcome in. You're the Mother of the Messiah. That's not what happened, right? 
We, we read the biblical story. We know she had to give birth to Jesus in very austere conditions. Uh, and right out here where we are in the shepherd's fields, you're going to see there's a whole network, a series of caves. And, and that's the earliest tradition is that Jesus was born in a cave. And not even the best part of the cave. He, he's there where the animals are. Uh, and, and, and the child has to be laid in a manger. This is not fitting for a king. So you can imagine Mary being a little flustered by this. But even more than that, just how bewildering this would be in light of what happened nine months ago in Nazareth. What did the angel of the Lord tell Mary about this child? That this child is the long-awaited prophesied one, the Messiah. He's, this, he's going to be the great Savior. He's going to be the, the Holy Son of God. And, and you can imagine Mary wondering, what happened here? Did, why is Jesus being treated this way? I thought he's the Messiah. I thought he's the Son of God. And, and she's just wondering, what, what, why, is it, why is it all happening like this? This isn't what I expected. Have you ever had moments in your life? where you're not treated the way you think you deserve to be treated? Or have you ever had moments in your life where when things are turned upside down for you and you're wondering, why is this happening? Where is God in the midst of all this? God, where are you? Have you had moments like that? We all have had moments like that. If you have, know that Mary was right there with you. Mary was right there with you, not just on Good Friday at the cross, but right here uh, in Bethlehem. She felt this way. And, and as we're reflecting here outside, the, outside of Bethlehem about Mary and the birth that took place somewhere, somewhere around here, uh, we, we can remember what she was going through and what was her response. That's what I want to really look at. What was Mary's response? You know, when we experience trials and difficulties and uh, uh, unexpected turns of events in our lives, we have different responses. Uh, some of us can tend to be, you know, just really bitter about life. Have you ever met people like that? They're just bitter. They blame everybody for all their problems. They're just, life is always really hard and, you know, and, and they're just rough. And, and that's not the response of Mary. That's not the response of a disciple. Another response is to, to get very melancholic and just be, oh, my life is so hard. It's just hard being me. How are you doing? Oh, it's hard. You know, it's kind of like being Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. You know, Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh, you know, always really gloomy. You know, that, that's another response, you know. And then there's others of us that are more of like the type A personality. You know what I mean? Like, we just want to fix it. We're just going to fix the problems. We're going to get things, rearrange things, get things just like they were before. Because I, I was really comfortable before and I want it like it was before. And we just desperately try to fix it. That's not the way of a disciple either. That's certainly not Mary's way. Mary invites us to think about those moments and, and, and to respond the way she did in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verse 19. What did the Bible say there? Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, what is that? that? That's the heart of a disciple here. To keep and ponder, these are expressions used in the Old Testament to describe someone that experiences a mysterious revelation or mysterious event. They're not sure what it means, but as if they're spiritually mulling it over. They're pondering it. They're talking to God about it. Like Jacob in the Old Testament, his son Joseph has these strange dreams, remember, about how all the older brothers and sisters and mom and dad are going to bow down before him. And, and, and Joseph hears this and he's wondering, what does this mean? He says he keeps it. Daniel has a vision in, a, in the night and he's not sure what it means and, and he's keeping it. So that's the idea of keeping it, pondering it, and then applying it to our hearts. And uh, we read about this 
in the prophet and in the, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament as well, where there's a father who wants to contemplate the truth so he can pass it on to his children well. So that's what Mary's doing, and she invites us to think about that when when we face challenges. We, we, do, we, we don't want to go to just fix-it mode right away or, you know, Debbie Downer mode, right? You know, but to, to, first of all, just to ask, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Because we as Christians should have the confidence that whatever is happening on the outside of our lives, God may al- allow that to happen, but he, 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 not that he wants it, but he, he permits it in, in the freedom that we all have. Uh, it, but yet, he can still bring good about in, in our own souls. No matter what's happening outside in our lives, he can bring good on the inside. Uh, and so maybe he allows these challenges to happen in our lives because he wants us to grow in greater trust. That we need to, we're, we're too used to having control. And we like to control and manage everything. And, and Jesus may allow this very difficult situation to arise so that we grow in greater abandonment to his providence in our lives. And that's a good thing for us to trust in him more than our own abilities. Or maybe he's allowing us because we're really successful, we usually do really well, and people always praise the work we do, and now all of a sudden it's not going so well, and, 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 and it's not like it used to be, and I'm, go- I'm growing in some humility now. That's good for my soul. Or maybe he's allowing me to experience this, this, this difficulty so that I, I can have more sympathy with others who are suffering and people who are in greater empathy for those who are going through greater turmoil than the little cross I'm facing right now. And it's going to be different for everyone, but no matter what's happening on the outside of our lives, it could be a financial issue, it could be something at work, it could be something in our marriage, it could be something with one of our kids or grandchildren, it could be a health issue, it could be all these different things are happening out here. We as Christians should have the confidence that God can bring something and he wants to bring something good on the inside. And let's be like Mary who kept and pondered. Let's ask the Lord, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to show me? What spiritual lesson do you have for me in all this? Yes, we should th- try to fix our problems. Yes, it's okay to be sorrowful about them. But, but for our first attitude as a disciple should be to keep and ponder. What are you trying to teach me, God? What's the spiritual lesson here? What's the spiritual opportunity here? And that's what I think Mary did. Well, we know Mary did it from Luke 2.19. But what I think she saw is what Luke's gospel subtly shows us. And this will be my last point here. Is that, you know, of all the things Luke could have told us about Jesus' birth, the only little detail we get is that this child was wrapped in linen garments and laid in a manger. Isn't that strange? I mean, aren't there other things you wish you could have learned about? I mean, don't you want to know how was Mary feeling? What did the baby look like? Was the baby crying? Did Joseph cut the cord? I mean, don't you want to know? I want to know. <laughs> yeah, there's all these other things. But the one verse we get about the birth of Jesus is simply the baby was wrapped in the, linen, uh, in the swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Why does Luke give us that detail? Because the biblical writers oftentimes will use key words and then use them again later to make a connection between the two scenes. And the only other time in Luke's gospel we see those two words, wrapped and laid, come at the end of the gospel. In Luke chapter 23, verse 55, the the child Jesus has grown up now, and he's dying on the cross. He dies, and what do they do with his body? They take his body down, and they wrapped it in the linen garments and laid it in a tomb. Wrapped and laid. What's the connection here? So Jesus was wrapped in the swaddling clothes and laid in a manger at his birth in order to foreshadow something in the future. 
It's showing Mary that, yes, this child, he is the Holy Son of God. He is the great king, the Messiah. But the kingdom he's going to build is, 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 go, is different than the kingdoms of this world. He's going to be, his kingdom is going to be about poverty, humility, and suffering. That's why he's entered into the world this way, in conditions of great poverty, in humility, rejection, suffering, to foreshadow how his mission is going to be completed on the cross. And so Bethlehem foreshadows Calvary. Christmas Eve foreshadows Good Friday. And I think this is a lesson that Mary is gradually learning as she's keeping and pondering all these things, all these mysterious events surrounding the birth of her son, Jesus. You've been listening to a special edition of All Things Catholic recorded in Bethlehem at the Shepherd's Fields. I'm Edward Sree. Have a blessed Christmas. If you enjoyed this reflection, please share it with others to enrich them in this Christmas season. And you can always contact me through my website, edwardsree.com, or through Facebook or Twitter. God bless.